Michael Show. We are live. We are out here at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson. Glad to have you. Thanks for those of you watching on the Bud Light live stream on the cameras that are set out and about. We certainly appreciate you being here. Thanks to John getting his fantasy football question in already. John, we got it. And your question will be first out of the shoot today uh, when we take the listener portion of it. So that's going to be good stuff. Uh, Paul Charchian coming up about an hour from right now. So we're going to get into all of that. Uh, let's do this. Um, first and foremost, Aaron Rodgers spoke. And uh, he talked a little bit to the media. And uh, some of the questions that, uh, you know, obviously are posed. A lot of this stuff about the beginning of the season and getting ready and all the things that, uh, you know, he's kind of stuff that uh the, the stuff that you know this team needs to do there's so much concern in in my opinion about the offense in the sense of oh my god no Devonte adams what are you going to do holy crap you know and i get it i get it but it's also kind of like uh, you know i'm i don't know if i'm overly concerned about it to be honest with you but uh, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, talked a little bit yesterday about what his comfort level is right now with those young wide receivers. About what it was a few weeks ago. You know, I think today is there's evidence of uh, immaturity at times. There is. I get it. He also talks about Wednesday, uh, you know, the, uh, the Wednesday game and the, the practice and such, and also, uh, you know, he's challenged wide receiver Romeo Dubs, Christian Watson. Those guys really need to get up to speed, and he's he's trying to press these guys to, to get them ready. When you're in these live situations where we're moving the football and there's rapid-fire plays and the play clock is on and there's live reactions and adjustments in real time, and... Because of that, you know, we're, we're going to have to be patient with 87 and 9. So, it, you know, obviously patience are going to become the, the virtue, so to speak. And um, it's just a matter of, like, how long it's going to take those guys to get on the same page and for him to, quote, trust them. Now, only I get it. Only so much of that could have been done in the OTAs and the mini camps. I understand that. But, you know, it, there could be a couple more months of familiarity here, so to speak. So I'm kind of hoping all of this comes to fruition rather quickly. Then you've got the Wiley veterans, Randall, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins. And, you know, he said, look, you know, both of these guys have really, I'm not going to say opened eyes, but surprised me. Some really great catches in the last few days. But I'll tell you what, ever since the Saints practice, the first one, Sammy has been a different player, and he's been super reliable, and every practice made a bunch of plays. Today he had a bunch of plays again. I thought Kabi, in the last eight days or so, has practiced really, really well, and he had another good practice today, and he caught a touchdown in the, to end the two-minute drive for us on a deep corner route. So I'm really happy with those two guys, especially. Rodgers also talks about uh, the tight ends. Now, tight end play for the Packers is going to, I believe, is going to be even more necessary this year. There's going to be an emphasis put on it because of the uncertainty of the wide receiving core, and I think it's just going to be collectively 
wide receivers, tight ends, running backs are going to make up for the loss of Devontae Adams. It's going to be a difficult task. It's an uphill test. There's no doubt about it. It doesn't mean it can't be done. And I think they'll be able to do it. But there is a lot of emphasis on the tight ends. And he talks about the progress uh, of Robert Tanyan and how he's leading that group. Bobby being out there is a difference maker. He just instinctually has a different feel than those other guys. Um, And I would love to see Big Dog get some more reps as well because he's just such an important part of our offense. Also, uh, they had what they called game-like conditions on Wednesday, that practice that they really wanted to emphasize, hey, here we go. Uh, as you start to put your starters and start to put your packages together for real, you know, um, and to get it fresh in everybody's mind because you're going to take a little bit of a break. Your guys are going to take some time off. Some guys are going to come in every day and they're going to study and they're going to heal and they're going to lift and they're going to do everything necessary. Other guys are just going to take some time. You've gone through a long camp. Camp has now ended. Now you start to gear up for the season. So going back to that Wednesday practice, making it game-like conditions, getting things ready for what is about to come, what impressed him? about that Wednesday practice? The other guys that really had a nice practice were our backs. A.J. had one period with, I think, four catches in the period um, on one drive, and two of them were not very good throws. So, just again, he's a very steady guy, and I like what I saw all camp from him in 33, the older receivers today. So there you go. That was Aaron Rodgers talking uh, after practice yesterday. And like I said, the Packers get a really hard one in. They get a break now after camp has ended. And uh, now they just uh, kind of take it easy. They do their thing, and they start to get themselves ready for next week in the preparation for Minnesota coming up uh, a week from Sunday. So um, I'm telling you this. I don't know about you, but uh, and if this is happening to you, let me know. But I can't tell you how many people that I know that are either friends, acquaintances, colleagues, whatever, from over in Minnesota have now kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. They've come out of the woodwork. They really believe that it's time for the Vikings to shine, man. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. So they, they're they feeling really good about what's to come a week from Sunday. So Aaron Rodgers... Uh, was asked about TD passes, and uh, it's kind of a Q&A back and forth about the throws, the touchdowns and such. Because they had, uh, the, like I said, the Wednesday's game-like practice yesterday. Rodgers was asked, who was catching those TD passes? Bobby caught a touchdown, and Kobe caught a touchdown in two minutes. You said defense, or you guys beat the defense in the first day of practice, so who won? Oh, we did. Yeah, the offense. Jordan, Jordan threw a couple touchdowns. We scored a couple on the twos, too. Bobby caught a touchdown on the twos, and we had another one. Camera who caught it. Um, so not overwhelmingly, oh, my God, praise, but nevertheless, uh, Rogers talking about some of the guys that did make some plays. Uh, he was also asked, has there ever been a game simulation practice where they've done things you know, the game-like practice. This is what it was supposed to be yesterday. Have they ever, ever done anything like this before? Not here, I don't think. So that was that was good. I really liked that Matt brought that up. It felt, you know, we warmed up like a game and then kind of got right into it. It wasn't – there's some, some live special teams reps. I mean, live to a T, you know, covering, full-speed cover. But, uh, yeah, it was a good, good idea, good practice. 
So, you know, as we do, inquiring minds want to know, we're all kind of salivating at the thought of who is and is not going to be starting come uh, game one on September 11th. Now, Roger, when I talked with Mike Clemens last night, he and I both, when we had the huddle last evening, discussed whether or not David Bakhtiari would play. And I think uh, the consensus is probably not. Uh, I would be, I'm not going to say shocked, but I would be really surprised. I did say shocked last night, but I think I'd be really surprised if David Bakhtiari played against the Minnesota Vikings. So then the question becomes to Aaron Rodgers, oh, by the way, do you know who the starting offensive line is going to be against the Vikings? I'm not sure yet. If uh, 69 and 74 go, then the only question will be right guard. If not, it'll be the five you've seen uh, starting the game in the preseason. So then the next question be, and he's very short. Ben, in these answers, do you get the sense that Rodgers is like, I just can't wait to get the hell out of here? Because usually he expounds upon things and talks. Yeah, recently, especially. I kind of get the I'm just ready for the season kind of vibe from him right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of you can you kind of get the shortness of the answers from Rogers. Uh, then he was also asked, look, uh, you know, practices like this last year, you know, if, if they had done all of this stuff, is this maybe a reaction to that ass whooping of 38 to three they took against the Saints in week one last year? Anytime there can be a narrative tied to something that is inflammatory, then usually that's what sticks. And I still think that the way that we do preseason with the ones is the right way to do it. Uh, Maybe a couple more practices like today scattered throughout camp would be great. Um, This is, in my opinion, better than uh, when you bring another team in and practice because we get... uh, more conditioning this way you know it's good work as long as there's no fights against those teams but this is better work there you go so he says no and he threw it in yet again i believe the way we do things with the ones is appropriate in other words we don't want to play we don't need to play don't worry about us we don't need to play we're good to go no big deal we do it right i don't like practicing against other teams but, you know, it's not a terrible thing. But these practices against ourselves, they're much better. That's what preps us for the reg- for the uh, regular season. So when he was asked specifically, so, you know, we're sitting here now on the cusp of the season. What is your comfort level with the young receiving core that you have? About what it was a few weeks ago. You know, I think today is there's evidence of uh, immaturity at times when you're in these live situations where we're moving the football and there's rapid fire plays and the play clock is on and there's uh, live reactions and adjustments in real time. And because of that, you know, we're, we're going to have to be patient with 87 and nine. Um, but I tell you what, ever since the saints practice, the first one, Sammy has been a different player. And he's been super reliable, and every practice made a bunch of plays. Today he had a bunch of plays again. I thought Kabi, in the last eight days or so, has practiced really, really well. And he had another good practice today, and he caught a touchdown to end the two-minute drive for us on a 
deep corner route. So I'm really happy with those two guys, especially. Bobby being out there is a difference maker. He just instinctually has a different feel than those other guys. Um, and I would love to see Big Dog get some more reps as well because he's just such an important part of our offense. But the other guys that really had a nice practice were our backs. AJ had one period with, I think, four catches in the period um, on one drive, and two of them were not very good throws. So, just again, he's a very steady guy, and I like what I saw all camp from him in 33 and the older receivers today. So, remember, a few years back, uh, Jay Kumaro got a lot of praise just before cutdown day. And then all of a sudden, Rodgers, after speaking so highly of Jake Kumro, Kumro, gone. So he just had come out and said, Jawan Winfrey, the wide receiver, he thought, you know, Jawan Winfrey deserved a roster spot and that he's made the team and that uh, he had a lot of praise for him. And then, sure enough, Jawan Winfrey cut. So was Rogers was asked about that. He said, "Look, you you said that you thought Juwan Winfrey should you know get a roster spot, and he didn't. Did Brian Gutekinds discuss a lot of this stuff with you this time?" Well, I think there's there's always conversations between Brian and I, and it's definitely not the same as the situation from a couple of years ago when I felt like that player was our third best receiver on the team based on his performance in training camp. Um, I thought Jawan had a nice training camp. Um, we know at times it's not a meritocracy. Um, you know, there's extra opportunity for drafted players. That's the way we've done it in Green Bay for a long time. And I'm not knocking it because I wasn't very good in my first year either. But those guys get a little bit more opportunities usually. And if you're an older player, you got to really cement your role on the team. You know, as a as a fifth, sixth, seventh receiver, you got to be showing up on special teams and and be a core guy there. And I feel for Juwan because he's such a great kid. He's been here on our row for a long time. So there you um, go, Aaron Rodgers. Hope we Rogers. can get him back on the P-Squad. Aaron he's Rogers one of those guys where... About, uh, you know... ...need to do... Oh, I'm sorry. So anyway, that being said, there you go. Uh, Aaron Rodgers talking about the team, special teams, guys making the team and such. Um, let's do this. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We are broadcasting live at Wisconsin Harley-Davidson out here in Oconomowoc. Wisconsin Rally, the hometown rally, coming up beginning tomorrow, and preparations are finalizing today. It is a flurry of activity. Everything from the cigar lounge that's being set up by uh, some people off to the side. You've got, obviously, where I'm sitting in the Bud Light Sports Bar. Uh, you've got different vendors, different jewelers, different places to go. You've got all kinds of parts, accessory vendors, food trucks galore. You've got the North Stage, the South Stage, 23 bands over the weekend, including ours, which is going to be coming up Sunday night. Airbangers Ball performing live right here in front of a capacity crowd on a beautiful evening after the ride. So we cannot wait uh, for Sunday to get here, but it's got to slow its roll a little bit, trying to finalize all the details as we are into the first day of September. Stay tuned. We got more coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show. Enjoying the day today. Uh, time to talk a little Brewers baseball. The bullpen tried to give it away, but the Brewers have won two out of three in a series, and they start the month of September now against the Diamondbacks. Todd Rosiak joining us on the hotline. Todd, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, Bill? So let's start with the question that everybody asks, and I've got my own theory on this. I want to get your theory because I felt like Hader was starting to come back and pitch a little better. The team was rolling into the month of August, and the wheels came off after the trade. Um, I know some players have spoken out and said, you know, it kind of took the wind out of our sails. It kind of sent the message that the front office didn't believe in us. Uh, do you believe that the trade of Josh Hader has triggered – some of the some of the issues the Brewers have encountered over the last four weeks. Uh, I mean, maybe initially, I, I I would give the team a pass for that series in Pittsburgh when the trade was consummated. But after that, um, you know, as David Stearns has said, as Craig Council has said, as many players have said in the clubhouse, it's incumbent on them as professionals to move past it trades are part of the business and whether it's a good friend of yours a teammate of yours whatever the case may be you have to turn the page and you have to do your job and um, you know the Devin Williams video obviously everybody remembers that and you know the comments that Eric Blauer made a couple weeks ago everybody remembers those but the bottom line is you still have a job to do and that's to win games so um, you know to blame this current stretch on the Josh Hader trade I think is a little bit disingenuous. I think it just more goes to the fact that they have not been playing good baseball overall in most aspects of the game. So now where do you go from here with a team that is flailing, basically? I mean, I give them credit because when you watch them, they don't look like they've quit. They've put a lot into certain innings and such. I mean, late games, they've been failing, you know, obviously in lasted bats. They've been failing. They've been struggling. I mean, the, the obvious is punching us right in the face, and that's the fact that the consistency of the offense has pretty much blown cheese all season long, right? Yeah, the, the offense has been very inconsistent, very home run reliant, and especially when you get to this time of year, and if you make it into the playoffs, that just does not fly. You have to be able to generate runs, manufacture runs, use small ball. And when the Brewers are so reliant on the home run, uh, you know, that, that aspect of their game just has not been uh, – when, when the home runs are not flying over the fence, that aspect of their game has not been consistent enough to win ball games. And uh, they've, they've done it in stretches since the All-Star break. They've been a little bit better at it uh, lately. But over the course of the entire season, uh, I think it kind of it's been spelled out that uh, unless they're hitting home runs consistently, it's just the offense is too spotty, and you're seeing the results of that right now. What turned around, Keston Hira? Uh, I think it's just more confidence in him from uh, you know Craig Council's standpoint, getting him into the lineup consistently. Uh, him knowing he's going to get pretty regular at bats moving forward. Uh, you know, there's been a lot that's been written and talked about with Keston in the offseason, the changes he made and his, his approach at the plate, his setup at the plate. And obviously those those changes have uh, have paid off for him. And he's, he's one of, if not the team's hottest hitter at this point in time. So, uh, you know, look for the Brewers to continue to try to find ways to keep him in the lineup be a DH, be at a first base, 
you know, maybe an occasional start at second base. Uh, you know, any way you slice it, you've got to keep him in there because he's swinging it so well. What kind of a – because I always said baseball is a funny game because you can't – until the ball is put in play, it's not like it's an energy game or an adrenaline game or anything. You just kind of roll in momentum. And, and what kind of a shot in the arm did Garrett Mitchell give the Brewers the other night? Yeah, I think a pretty good shot. And uh, even looking beyond the shot in the arm that gave the team, his call-up gave the team, I think it, it kind of reinvigorated the fan base a little bit and pressed the reset button. Because let's be honest, things have been pretty negative around this group since the hater trade. Uh, the way the team has played obviously play, plays a big role in that. But uh, to get some good feelings, to get some excitement around somebody who um, you know the organization believes is going to be a key piece for them uh, for a long time to come, I think that's pretty cool. And now we kind of wait and see what the next step is here. Uh, the, the team starts in Arizona tonight, four-game series out there. You've got September 1st call-ups. Let's see what they do. I mean, will they go with somebody that we've already seen before, kind of a retread guy, or will they, uh, you know, take a little bit of a gamble and maybe call up a guy like Asturi Ruiz and, and add a little bit more excitement to the uh, to the mix there? So it remains to be seen, but so far so good with Garrett Mitchell, it looks like. I know we talk a lot about exit velocity, launch angle, almost ad nauseum, uh, and it's trying to explain away the inexplicable, the loss of power, the home run hits, the the genuine at-plate presence and threat of Christian Yelich. He's starting to hit the ball a little bit better. He's got the average up to 260. Uh, the OPS is 749. But what has been genuinely his struggle? Uh, it's just continually been hitting the ball on the ground, pulling the ball and hitting the ball on the ground. He's been hitting the ball hard, like you mentioned, but it's been consistently ground balls, and, and those just aren't doing the damage, obviously, uh, that you you get the damage you get when you're hitting the ball over the fence or into the gaps. I think a bright spot uh, recently, along with that, uh, the, the uh, exit velocities that he's been putting up consistently is the fact that he has been raising the ball more and getting it in the air more. Uh, you know, he had the back-to-back days with home runs. He's hitting the balls and the gaps. Uh, so those are all good signs to me. And if he can continue to do that, um, you know, hitting in the leadoff spot like he is, he can be a catalyst. And he's a big part of this whole equation that I was talking about earlier with small ball. You get him on base to start off. And, uh, you know, then you've got Willie Adamas behind him, Hunter Renfro, Keston Hira, Rowdy Tellez. You know, you, you get a you get a runner on base, two runners on base to work with, and then all of a sudden you're you're you know you're talking a potential rally there. So he's a big part of that. When you talk about guys like Goldschmidt, Freddie Freeman, uh, Jeff McNeil, which very few at bats and such, but you are not very, uh, very few, but uh, a very a guy in New York that everybody knows, but not out say on the West Coast, but. You've only got a handful of guys, and I know we don't use average hardly anymore. It's always about OPS, but you got a handful of guys that are batting 300 or better in the in, in the majors. Is offense just in general hard to come by? I, and and I guess we're making excuses at this point because we used to have numerous players, 20, 30 players hitting over 300 that were all vying for 325 or 342 or three. You know, and even God forbid the 400 mark. We're not even close to that right now. Is is that how bad offense is in Major League Baseball? Uh, I mean, the, it, it speaks to the quality of the pitching. I would say, uh, you know, you get there's obviously always going to be really good starting pitching, 
But then you look beyond that, and every bullpen, it seems like, is trotting out guys who are throwing 97, 98, 99 miles an hour. Typically, those guys are the closers. Now you've got guys who are pitching in the sixth inning, seventh inning, who are throwing that as well. That's a big factor, and uh, it's much more difficult, I think, to uh, to be a consistent hitter in the in the big leagues these days with <clears throat> so many really good arms. And then you hear all the talk about the baseballs, and they're not they're not flying like they were, and teams are using humidors now. There's a bunch of factors, but I think the the bottom line is, and the, and the most important part of that equation is. Uh, the, the pitching, the relief pitching, has just gotten so much better, and guys are just throwing so much harder. It's it's much more difficult to, um, you know, face a guy for three times, a starter for three times, and then all of a sudden you've got a guy coming in who's throwing even harder than the starter was and throwing something completely different and more nasty. So that's just the challenge. It's the ever-evolving part of the game, and in a few years we may see offense bounce back, and then uh, we're talking about something else. Do you think that baseball, because there's been a lot of talk about moving the mound back because of the lively arms and the and the way they're training, it used to be you never lifted weights if you were a pitcher because you didn't want to bulk up, you didn't want to strain your tendons and all that kind of stuff. Now you see these guys in these vigorous training programs and these videos and such of guys working out. Do you think because of this now baseball is going to say, you know what, we need more offense, we need more action, we need more eyes on our game, and the only way to do that is to create the offense. So do you see them moving the mound back anytime soon? I don't think the mound will be touched anytime soon. I think it'll be other, uh, there'll be other rule changes. You know, we're talking about banning the shift or only allowing the shift in circum- certain circumstances or only allowing certain guys to shift. Uh, you're looking at bigger bases to perhaps uh, encourage more base dealing, those kinds of things. I think that that's a way that baseball will look at you know, trying to generate a little bit more offense, a little bit more excitement, and you move incrementally from there. And if that doesn't work, then maybe you start talking about moving the mound back a little bit. But I think right now the focus is on those smaller changes. Even even banning the shifts, I think, would really make a difference or uh, drastically curtailing the shifts would make a really big difference uh, in terms of offense and helping teams generate a little bit more and then also we talk about the time of game stuff. So the pitch clock, that doesn't necessarily play into the offense, but that's another one that's been continually talked about. And I think that's a rule change that we will see at the major league level here pretty soon. Do you think that, and, and this is interesting because when you talk about relief pitching being so good, that uh, you hear it all the time, well, players today can't adjust the way players used to, like Pete Rose, like Tony Gwynn's, like Kirby Puckett's, guys that hit for average, guys that hit to get on base, guys that wanted to move runners over, hit behind a guy, that they have to ban the shift because of the inadaptability of players today or because, like you stated, the bullpens are just so good you don't have time to, in that particular pitch at uh, 10 miles more than what they were throwing them 20 years ago on a consistent basis. You don't have time to adjust your capability to hit the baseball. Yeah. I mean, I think it might be a little bit of a mix of both of those things there. Um, you know, the game was so different back when, you know, you mentioned Pete Rose, even Tony Gwynn, guys like that Kirby Puckett. It was just a much different game than it is now. You know, the, the, the focus is on launch angle. The focus is on trying to hit all runs because the numbers show you that, uh, you know, according to teams, you, you know, you'd much rather hit a three-run home run than try to get two guys on base and try to drive them in that way. So 
you know, the, the shift, banning the shift or curtailing the shift, I think, could play a, a part of a part of in that. Uh, you know, have a little bit of a role in that. I think it's incumbent on players too. Uh, you have to know what kind of player you are, what kind of game uh, you know you bring to the table. You mentioned Jeff McNeil before. There's a guy who does not rely on launch angle. That's a guy who tries to spray the ball around, a guy who tries to get on base, a guy who can steal bases. Uh, you know, maybe we start seeing a little bit more focus on that, and, and that along with, uh, you know, banning the shift or curtailing the shift, that could help generate a little bit more offense too. But for right now, it's, uh, you know, it's launch angle or bust for, for better or worse. And in my opinion, it's, it's a little bit of a worse game to watch just because it's either home runs or strikeouts, and that gets a little tiresome after a while. Okay, before I let you go, um, I want to ask a little bit about this, uh, you know, kind of chase for the wild card, if you will. So give me your thoughts. Uh, you know, it, they, they're they pretty much out of the division. Six games back with four weeks, three and a half, four weeks left to play. I, I don't think that's possible. I mean, it is, but, you know, it is what it is. That being said, uh, the wild card, if they get in, does this team have the capability to go on that run? Uh, or are we just kind of, you know, as my dad used to say, peeing into a fan? Yeah, it's nice because uh, you're getting all wet and not the yeah, way you want to. It's, it, it, the, the old saying, the old adage in baseball is you just want to get in. Anything can happen. And we've seen it time and time again where a team that, you know, maybe people really don't expect to do much in the postseason all of a sudden catches fire and, and goes on to win the World Series. Look at look at who the Brewers faced in, in two of the last three years, Atlanta last year, Washington in 2019. I don't think either one of those teams are really expected to do much, and they went all the way to win the World Series. So I'm not saying that the Brewers are capable of winning the World Series necessarily or that people should expect that, but the key is just to get in and see and let the chips fall where they may. If you look at the Brewers right now, you know they certainly have the pitching to, to help carry the team through a series, maybe two, uh, but I think then the offense is the, is the thing that ultimately gets you in the end. It's just not proven that proven the uh, proven to be able to carry the team for long stretches and as we talked about before in the postseason you've got to be able to generate runs manufacture runs more consistently and uh, you know if, if the Brewers did make it in I have a feeling it would be a lot like that Atlanta series last year where you know you've got one guy like Rowdy who hits a few home runs but other than that uh, you know runs are very tough to come by so Let's just look at this next road trip here, four in Arizona, three in Colorado. I think this, without being too over dramatic, this could really be kind of a season-defining trip because the Brewers traditionally have not played well uh, in either one of those places. So if they have a losing road trip or you know lose three or four in Arizona and two or three in Colorado, uh, that's, that's really going to put a stake in their hearts, I think. So it's going to be incumbent on them to try to get a winning road trip here play well in Arizona and Colorado and then get home and really try to take advantage of that uh, run of home games they've got in the month of September. Todd, great stuff. Appreciate it, man. A lot of in-depth, knowledgeable stuff for you. Uh, always appreciate your appearance on the program, okay? All right, Bill. Take care. Thanks, pal. Talk to you soon. Todd Rosiak of the Journal Sentinel joining us for a couple of minutes on the hotline. Good to get him on board uh, and pick his brain. Some interesting stuff there I want to go back to when we come back from break because I think that uh, some talk about uh, the, the the pitching I think is legit. 
Uh, I want to see what your thoughts are when it comes to this upcoming road trip. Is this the defining? I, I, I've got thoughts on this, and I want to discuss it when we come back. So hang in there. We've got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.